Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in His gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. All right, we are going to get going. Uh, so good, so good to see everybody uh, conversing, talking. Uh, it's really a joy. I think sometimes you get into gatherings and uh, we can create almost like a passive audience. You just sit there and kind of wait for the people on the stage. So it's very refreshing to see the body um, chatting, talking, sharing the peace. And when we say passing the peace, what we're saying is that the, the peace that Christ has given us, we want to extend that and pass that to one another. And so what a joy it is to see that happen. I always uh, hate to break it up, um, but uh, just thankful. So again, don't, don't just do that here. I mean, if you've chatted with someone, grab their number, make time to grab coffee together, grab dinner. As we've been um, navigating over the past couple of weeks, our uh, fall series has been through the book of Revelation, the final unveiling. We have information there if you haven't not yet read it. And so as we jump in, we're almost to the halfway point in the book. And so I want to kind of pause before we continue and just ask you. So uh, audience participation would be helpful. If not, I'll be standing here and it'll be really uncomfortable. So uh, just how what have you learned so far reading the book of Revelation? Just out of curiosity, what have you learned about God? What have you learned about the book? Help me out. How is this book? How are you experiencing the book? Seven. Seven. There's a lot of sevens in the book. Fantastic. Yes. Anyone else? What are you seeing in the book? What are you experiencing? What are you learning? God is in control. God is absolutely in control. Fantastic. God is holy. Yes. And we just sang that. that that's just, that song just really just was just well um, timed just because... You're fine. As, as, as the host, like, that, that's what my mind is trying to represent. Even now, in eternity, they are singing of the holiness of God. And each moment we gather, we get to, in this moment, kind of partner with reality. What else? What are you, what do you see in the book? It's not chronological. That is, that, that's my suggestion. I feel like if you really, your brain will start to hurt. Uh, and, and I'll talk about it a little bit for those that may not have been here last week. Anything else? The word of the Lord stands true. The word of the Lord stands true. Yes. All right. So just uh, don't go through Like if you're challenged with this book, not understanding, like let's get together. Uh, find someone here. Our groups are meeting uh, weekly. There's a group starting this Thursday. Um, here at this space, but man, we, we have an incredible opportunity to experience the book of Revelation um, and, and really just discern what it is God is saying. Now, one of the things um, that we'll see is that this book is going somewhere, all right? And in Reve- this morning, we're going to find ourselves in Revelation chapter 10. We're going to um, speak about the whole point of what's taking place and what we're supposed to do with it. So we're experiencing the book, and inevitably the question is, so what? What am I supposed to do with this book? I believe Revelation chapter 10 gives us insight into what we're supposed to do. So I want to read Revelation chapter 10. Uh, It'll be on the screen uh, behind uh, the entire chapter. It's 11 verses. And so if you have your Bibles, open up, read along with me. It'll be on the screen. And if you do not have a Bible, there are Bibles at that back table. I believe there's some here in the front. Take one. It's our gift to you. Um, But let's read Revelation chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. It says, Then I saw another 
Oh, and let me say this. I said this is the first gathering. Sorry, kind of place. But you gave me a mic and you stuck with me. So here's what I ask. As I read, if it's helpful, close your eyes and listen to the words. Listen to the imagery and then kind of take mental notes of kind of the things that you uh, might be reminded of. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 10. Then I saw a mighty angel coming down from heaven wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head and his face was like the sun, his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders sounded, I was about to write. This is John talking. I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever, who created heaven and what is in it and earth and what is in it and the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, announced to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll, and he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter. But in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, verse 11, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Friends, this is God's word. As we spend time in the scriptures this morning, we would see Jesus See him with clarity, and in so doing, may our hearts be filled with joy as we experience the new life that he offers. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The book of Revelation. And so right now we're in Revelation chapter 10, and we are coming off of the heels of the trumpet blast. So anyone who's heard anything about the apocalypse or end times, uh, the book of Revelation, perhaps you've heard of the trumpets. Anyone hear of the seven trumpets of Revelation? Raise your, raise your hand if you heard it. So we have these seven trumpets. Each this. Now, if you remember, uh, in chapter, uh, uh, chapters five, chapters six and seven, we had the seal. So let me just give you just wh where we've been. So Revelation chapter one, we're introduced to the person of Jesus Christ. We see who Jesus is and we see his work. Jesus then in chapters two and chapters three begins to address the seven churches. He addresses the churches, and in chapters 4, we are then taken into the heavens, into the throne room, and we begin to see life from heaven's perspective. We see God seated on the throne, surrounded his throne are all kinds of creatures, and they are worshiping him. And in the hand of God is the sealed scroll. And we said last week that the sealed scroll, I would suggest to you, is God's decreed plan for how he's going to redeem a fallen world. 
all right? And so you have these, this seal, and no one is able or worthy to open the scroll until we meet the lion from the tribe of Judah, who we then find out is the lamb slain. So who is the lion of the tribe of Judah? Jesus, right? So Jesus alone is worthy to open the scroll. So Jesus then opens the scrolls, and then in Revelation 6, we begin to see a chainance of what will take place as these scrolls are open. We talked about it, and it was very challenging. It was catastrophic to the point where it was asked, if this is going to happen, who can stand? Right? And then in Revelation chapter 7, we learn who can stand, the redeemed of the Lord. Those that have placed their faith in Christ can stand and endure. You turn to Revelation chapter 8, and you get the last seal opened, and then there's a pause, there's silence. It's awesome. And then you get these trumpets. So you get these trumpets that begin to blast in Revelation chapter 8 and Revelation chapter 9, and it's going somewhere. And as I suggested last week, let me reiterate. It makes sense because you read the seal and the sun is basically gone. You get to the trumpets, and then the sun is back. So it's, 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 your mind won't comprehend it. So what I suggested to you last week is that what's happening is the decreed will of God is being unveiled, and we get different perspectives. We get the perspective of history from the seals, from the trumpets, and ultimately we're going to see it from the bowls of wrath. And so I would like to suggest to you that if you frame Revelation as same thing from three different angles, it'll begin to be tangible. So you have these seven trumpets, all right? So just anyone that's read Scripture, maybe these trumpets, it should waken something in you. Because one other suggestion is don't take the book of Revelation and, and try to figure out what's going to happen. You could do that. Your mind will start to hurt again. Or you could just open the rest of the Bible and see what it is, how can we understand what is to take place, what is taking place, and what has taken place. So with these seven trumpets... If you read it, this is what you saw. The first trumpet, this is just context. The first trumpet was blasted, and there was hail, fire mixed with blood, okay? Second trumpet was blasted, and a great mountain was hurled in the sea, and the sea became blood. The third trumpet, a great star from heaven fell, and it fell into the waters, and the waters became bitter. The fourth trumpet, but a third of the sun was struck. There was darkness. The fifth trumpet, there were locusts. The sixth trumpet, there were angels released bringing death. So when you hear fire, hail, blood, sea becoming blood, blood, waters become bitter, sun covered in darkness, locusts, angels bringing death, what does that remind you of? Exodus, right? The ten plagues. And so this is where if you begin to read Exodus, you're like, oh, wait a minute. I get what's going on. Because when you read in Exodus, the plagues were really pushing the people of Egypt to repent, to turn from their ways, and to recognize Yahweh, true God, right? And so, so when you're reading Revelation, you say, oh, these trumpets, they're doing something. It's a call to repentance. Then when you read Scripture, you get to books like the book of Numbers, and you learn something about trumpets. What do trump, why are trumpets blasted in the Bible? Does anyone know what they're meant to do? Call to action, what'd you say? Battle, all right? It, it, it starts with a W and rhymes with corn. Look, you got it. Yes, yes, yes. It doesn't rhyme. It works. Someone got it. 
Trumpets are meant to warn. So if you take trumpets are meant to warn you the call back to Exodus to repent. John talked about it in our time of confession. Turn from your evil, turn from your wayward ways, and follow after God. And so by the time you get through Revelation chapter 9 and all the events taking place, we're asking the question, are people going to repent? And then when you read Revelation 9, verse 20 to 21, it says this, the rest of mankind who are not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze, stone and wood, which cannot see or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. So by the time you get to Revelation chapter 10, here's the challenge. People have been warned and still, much like Pharaoh in Exodus, their hearts, hearts, are still hardened. Are you tracking with me? Some of us know all too well what it's like to be stiff-necked. We find ourselves meddling in things we ought not to meddle in. And we have friends telling us, you shouldn't do this, you should do this, trying to help. And we find ourselves sometimes in a mess. And we find it difficult to turn away. We might know family members, friends. We might know people that are just involved in things they shouldn't be. And with all our efforts, whether coworkers, friends, family, to try to help and guide, their hearts are still hardened. And so by the time you get to Revelation chapter 10, there is a question that is being asked. What is God's response to a people that won't repent? To a person who's stiff-necked, to a person who, who, who's stuck in their mess, what is God's response? What I'd like to suggest to you is that Revelation 10 teaches us that God's response is actually the book of Revelation. Because in the book of Revelation, you see God's plan. Why do I say this? So if you remember, we just read Revelation chapter 10. So a uh, quick memory check, see who was listening. Who were we introduced to in Revelation chapter 10? Not just an angel. What does it say? A mighty angel. All right, so everybody say mighty angel. Mighty angel, angel, right? Mighty angel's on the scene. He comes down, and what's in his hand? A little scroll. So the moment you hear scroll, you should automatically be like, I remember scroll, because when do we hear about a scroll? Chapter 5. Then we hear a voice. And what does the voice tell John to do? Before that, before that, go take the scroll, right? Take the scroll from who? From the angel. Then you get to take, you get to eat. We're going to go into that, and you're going to go get the prophecy share with nations. So if you read Revelation chapter 10 about Jesus who opened the scroll, they gave it to an angel, they gave it to John, and John's going to be commissioned to share it, you should remember that's not the first time we heard that. So if you go back to the first time we opened the book of Revelation, does anyone remember how the book started? Let me remind you, Revelation 1.1, the book of the Revelation of Christ that God gave to Jesus, that Jesus gave to an angel, that an angel gave to John to give to his servants. Do you see that? And we see it in chapter 10, the mighty angel, the scroll that Jesus had, he now has, and he gives it to John. 
And so John now has the scroll. He's told to take it and eat it. We read it, Revelation 10, 10, 11. And he said to me, take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. John says, I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you prophesy about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. So John has a scroll, and he's told to do two things, take and eat. That's my message this morning, take, eat, and I have, I'll add one more word, share. So this morning, Revelation chapter 10, take, eat, and share. Our friends at the Clapham Institute, Mike Metzger, he's written a lot about this, this motif of take and eat. This is not the first time you've seen this in Scripture, right? Where else have you seen? Where's the first time you hear take and eat? Where do you go? Go to Genesis. Remember, God says to Adam and Eve, of the trees of this garden, you may freely eat. Take and eat to your heart. Just don't touch one of them. Right? Take and eat. And here's, here's what Mike says. And I think it's so fascinating why it's critical that, that, that we see what's taking place in Revelation chapter 10 and how it impacts us on how we should respond uh, to the book of Revelation. How many people here like to eat? Raise your hand. All right, so usually you ask questions, they get half the body respond. This one, how many eat? How many people eat? Just like, can, can I get 100% participation? All right, so this motif of taking eat. Here's what's phenomenal. Here's why it's pivotal, and here's why you see throughout Scripture, take and eat, take and eat, take and eat. We're going to walk through it. Here's what Mike says. In order to eat a death, death occur before you can then eat, and what you eat now sustains life. So Mike says, from death comes life, and you see this in this motif of take and eat. So if we go back to Genesis, where we first are introduced to this idea of take and eat, uh, Adam and Eve, they're walking in the garden, right? And, and the guy says, of any tree, leafy thing, eat it. So help me out. Give me a good vegetable or fruit Adam and Eve would probably eat in the garden. Persimmon. What in the world? That's like high tech. First gathering said zucchini. So uh, we'll take persimmon. Anyone eat persimmon? All right, good. So we have two people that ate persimmon. <laughs> but think about it. Persimmon, I don't even know what persimmon is. Is it a plant? It's a fruit. Fantastic. You shop at Whole Foods. I just, I just, yeah. All right, so persimmon. So think about it. Persimmon is a fruit that's growing and enjoying its own life. If you're going to eat it, what has to happen? You, if Adam and Eve, they're going to take it from its food source or its vine, and what now happens to that person is dead, right? It, it's dead. You've, you've taken it away. Take an apple. Take a zucchini. You've taken it away from its source. It's dead. And now that death now provides an opportunity for you to nourish yourself, and that's where you get in life. Does that make sense? For all my non-vegetarian eating people, Give me a nuts, scrumptious steak. She said, porthouse. They said, first guy, they said, bacon cheeseburger. <laughs> so think about how many of you eat bacon cheeseburgers. All right, so the next time you take a bite into your bacon cheeseburger, think about the amount of things that have to die for you to enjoy that burger. All right, probably not the right thought, but hey. But think about this. So, so, so here's what Mike is saying. Here's what our friends at the Clapham Institute are saying. This idea of take and eat is so profound because it's teaching a truth that will be ultimately realized in Jesus Christ. 
And that is from death comes life. Are you tracking with me? And so at the fall in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve fall because they take and eat which was not theirs to eat. And throughout the scriptures, you see the challenges of taking what is not ours and consuming it. But if this is true, that death comes from life, then we recognize that Jesus on the cross was doing something amazing. You read the book of Revelation and you recognize, if you haven't yet, you will soon. Because the book has been pretty clear about God's judgment. Really tie with the bow the reality of God's justice. All right, so God will unleash his wrath. But what we see on the cross is Jesus takes upon himself the wrath that is due us. In other words, we are guilty as charged. You and I have done wrong. We've committed sin and left to that God's wrath should rightfully come to us. But the good news of the gospel is if we place our faith and trust in Christ, then what's real is Christ on the cross takes on the sin of his people and through his death, we now have life. This is why Jesus gathered around the table with his friends, took bread and took a cup and said, take and eat. This is my body for you. This is what we celebrate each week as a reminder that death comes from life. And spoiler alert, you turn to Revelation chapter 19, there's a big wedding feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and all that are following after Jesus are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Now, if you've been to a wedding here on planet Earth, what do you tend to do at a wedding? Eat. You take and you eat, and you hope the bride have some good taste in food. Because if you take and eat and it's not good, you're going to go to like McDonald's afterwards and fill your belly up. And so there's this incredible promise that a day is coming where we'll fully and together corporately with the body believers across time and across the globe will gather and take and eat. So I believe there's something phenomenal taking place in Revelation chapter 10. So if you were reading along with me, did you see what happened? The angels shouted and there were seven thunders. Did you hear about the seven thunders? We just read it, right? And then what does John want to do when he hears the seven thunders? He wants to write it down, to which all of us are like, dude, what's going on? Because what happens? He's beginning to write it down, and what does God say? Seal it up. Are you serious? A book that's called Revelation, a book that you're going to reveal, and there's stuff hidden. So what that says to me is, number one, Deuteronomy 29, 29 is true, the secret things belong to the Lord. But the things revealed belong to us. There are some things that are just going to be hidden. And so free yourself. You're not going to understand every single thing in the book. Some of it's just hidden, and that's all good. But, what, but it says the mystery will be fulfilled. And, and I believe that in Scripture you see this, for example, in uh, Corinthians. And so I believe... We, that message resonates with us. John, so take and eat. And so here's why it's important. In the life of the first century church, and perhaps in our lives, it can feel like we're on the losing side, right? 
Like for the, 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 the persecuted church, they felt like, man, we're on the losing side. Sometimes in life, we, 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 man, I'm a follower of Christ, but I feel like I've been sold a bag of, like it's just, it's not working out. I feel like I'm on the losing side. My life is facing challenges. Things aren't going well. And, and I was told to follow Jesus, but seemed to be working out. And the book of Revelation is written to speak to that challenge. There is an enemy out there. So whether it's Rome, Babylon, the beast, the dragon, whoever it is, oftentimes in life, it feels as though they have the upper hand. This book is written in that context where the people of God are feeling as though they are on the wrong side of the equation and they are struggling greatly. And so John writes this uh, revelation. He receives this revelation. He takes it and he eats it. And I believe he has an epiphany. He realizes that death comes from life. And this book is declaring to the world, and to us in particular, and to those that follow after Jesus, this, this is the reality. This, this, how we conduct ourselves, how we live our lives, tells the world how our God is like. So in the context of struggling, when we persevere, when it looks like we're on the losing side, if we embrace the mystery of what the Scriptures teach, we have, actually have a message of hope. And so John is called on, take and eat. And that's why I added share, because thereafter he said, then prophesy to the nations. And then Revelation chapter 11 is about the witnesses, right? The two witnesses that, and so take, eat, and now share. Revelation chapter 11 is about the witnesses. So who's read Revelation chapter 11? A lot of controversy. I'll just say it in 13 seconds. Two witnesses. Who are the two witnesses, right? You wrote about this. So who do they say? Give me, what are the options? Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah. Some say Enoch. Enoch, uh, and Elijah. Guess what? Doesn't bother me. Whoever you want it to be, so be it. All right. I think I think it's a lot easier, but I won't go into that because uh, the main idea is that if we take and eat the reality of what God is doing, if we digest His decreed plan, His Himself, our response to share that reality and be His witnesses. So in the beginning, we ask the question, what is God's response to unrepentant people? I believe God's response is to use people impacted by the truth of his word as a witness to the watching world. If you take God's word, if you digest it, if you take and eat, you'll recognize that you have an incredible opportunity. We have an incredible opportunity to be a people that bring shalom or peace into chaos. As you are being transformed by the truth of this word in the same way John was, you and I now have a commission to share with others. You see, God has given us his word. It's a trustworthy word, and he now commissions us to proclaim it to the nations. Eating the scroll is a metaphor for the way in which a person can only speak of God insofar as it has become part of their own lives. Friends, if you're not taking and eating it, you have nothing to share. The Word has no value to us personally if we do not take it, read it, feed on it, and then proclaim it to others. God's Word is bittersweet. Like, it sounds good coming from here, doesn't it? But when you, the moment you live it out, the moment you share the reality of what God's, it, it can feel bitter in your stomach. Just this week, I got with a friend 
we were uh, talking, and this brother rebuked me openly. And it hurt to the core of my soul. But it was a good word. And so, friends, that's the reality of God's word. It is sweet to our mouth. This is like Ezekiel 8 of the scroll, sweet to his mouth, yet bitter to his soul. And so in the midst of judgment, in the midst of God's wrath to be unleashed, God is announcing through his people the good news of his grace revealed in Jesus. So I want to invite the team back up as we just consider this, that we have an opportunity, just like John, to take the word of God, to eat it, to digest it, to process it. And what does this look like? So here's, here's the challenge. So like John, we have a role to play in God's ultimate plan. So we may not ever be caught up into the heavens to see from uh, the throne room what God's plan is. We may never be called to swallow a scroll, but each of us has been given a crucial opportunity to share the good news of what Christ is doing as he's transforming us. But like John, we must first internalize the message and allow it to be part of our own lives. So here's, here's, here's how we process the morning, this morning. The reality of God's word, take and eat. So maybe you're here, and that's, that's where you got to start, just taking the Word of God. Maybe you have a, a good rhythm of reading God's Word. Then the next step is then, now eat it, process it, get with other folks, get with brothers and sisters, get with other people, and then dialogue together and process what the Word of God is saying. So we have community groups. So maybe you have a good rhythm of reading the Word. Maybe you have a good rhythm of getting with other folks and processing the Word. Then the next thing, this is what you see in the last portion, this is then share it. This is why John is commissioned to share uh, the word, the scroll, the mystery of God, the unfolding plan of God, share it with the nation. So, that, so if you have a good rhythm with the word, you're processing it with other folks, then share it with friends, share it with neighbors, share it in neighborhoods, share it. And in so doing, the chaos of this world is dealt with through the peace that God brings. I want to invite us to pray. And to consider how God might call us to action. And so, Father, we pray this morning that you would just make it clear how best we can uh, advance your cause and the message of hope that is found in this book. That what you're ultimately going to do, you're going to ultimately make all things new. You will judge. There will be wrath. The good news of the gospel is that in Christ Jesus, we are past, as Kara rightfully said, from death to life. That Jesus took upon himself the wrath due us. And as such, Lord, we now take that reality and share it with the world. And so, Lord, with us gathered here, may you uh, make that a reality in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.